welcome again to Character Canon. I'm Michelle. And I'm Matt. And today we are going to be continuing talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. So we're going to get right down into it and talk about Katara, Mama Katara. And she won't be the feature of this whole episode. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Sokka and Toph a little bit and possibly some other people. Um, because uh, to be frank, I don't think there's any character in The Last Airbender that is any characters that are as prevalent as Aang or Zuko. True. No, very true. But that being said, um, like the, the rest of the main gang uh, is also very important. Um, so Katara. Team, team Avatar. Team Avatar. Team Avatar. The Aang um, gang. The Aang. Uh, I, oh my gosh. So boomerang bad. squad. Because it's got <laughs> Aang in it. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like that one. Gosh, why do we start with Sokka? Gosh. No, just kidding. Katara. Oh, I love Sokka. Okay, Katara. So um, um, I feel like the best way to talk about Katara is to have everyone go watch um, in season three, the Ember Island players. I think it's episode... Oh, no, I don't agree with what uh, you're about 17, to say. <laughs> uh, and that's who Katara is. Uh, no, it's she's not. She's hope, no, speech it's giver, not. whiny lady. It's making me tear bend. Um, I completely disagree <laughs> with that. No, she, did, she, very much has, she very much has some strong moments in this series. Um, I, I do think that it's very easy to see her as the mom character or even like the sort of the 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 hope-filled optimist as it were but which um, i think they need one. Oh yeah absolutely like uh the desert is a great example of that oh um, my gosh what where, a painful uh gosh yeah it's like our group is at a low like right i don't think we've seen the group this low up to this point in the series right well um, usually ang is kind of up there with guitar like oh, yeah. trying to be yeah, positive yeah. and he's out he he's out he's out uh, and Toph can't do anything and is going crazy. Sokka Sokka's is drinking literally going crazy. And so is Mosey. Er, Mosey? Mosey. Momo. <laughs> God, where did that come from? I um, don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sokka and Momo are going crazy, literally. Um, Honestly, what was in that cactus juice? Also, why did that come up in Korra? There should be like a store called Cactus Juice and he's like, it's, it's I mean, Cabbage Corp was a thing in Korra. I know! That's why I'm like, this should have come up again. Also, he, uh, the Cabbage Merchant actually showed up in the comics after the series as well. He, uh, That's because he he's the a, best character. He opened a cabbage cake shop. It was like little Ew. cabbage cookies. It was sugar cookies. It was described as sugar cookies, but more cabbage-y. Um, they were actually apparently okay. I'm sorry, are they normally cabbage-y? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but apparently, actually, apparently he was supposed to be a one-off character that they weren't going to bring back. And then they were like, eh, we'll bring him back. Uh, it's, it's it's so funny. Yeah, he's great. Oh, my cabbages! <laughs> Stinking avatar. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, this is actually these side characters that hate the <laughs> avatar. Yeah. Example he, A. They redeemed it uh, after the series. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Katara, she she goes from kind of not super useful to suddenly waterbending genius right. to suddenly Aang's master uh, to mom of the group. Right. I feel like in that order. Uh, she was always kind of momish, but like she really steps into that role after Toph right. joins the group and stuff. So I want to say, as a raging feminist myself, <laughs> um, <laughs> gosh what a what, firebender goodness i know yeah. <laughs> let me just light some friggin' fires um so one of the things that i think is really interesting is this development not just of guitar but Sokka too 
yeah. So they they are in this tiny small village that I still don't understand how they're surviving. Like I don't there, understand. There are apparently there are there were apparently more people in that village than we saw. Um, Good they, because they, that they, they makes, don't talk about. It makes no sense to me that they are able to exist with that small with like so few resources and that small of people well, and with because, that many because, children that's because like, all the I, men left you know what i mean like right it, i know like so we i don't understand half the half the people i don't understand if the men left why everyone didn't just straight up go to the northern tribe like i don't understand why they even like, they would probably I don't, I, all die but i don't understand how they could survive yeah. Yeah. in what at least what we saw of that yeah. tribe um, and I don't understand why it's a, it's all messed up. Yeah, I don't like is. how the northern and southern tribe works. I just I think that there's a lot of that is also that don't one make of sense. the post series comics. They talk about the northern and southern water tribe and how they get along after the war. Yeah. A spoiler: they don't get along. <laughs> okay, you know what that makes sense. Um. Anyway, so I think it's really interesting that so yeah all of these characters that we're talking about group I will accept that grew up in this war right and and are affected by it and Sok and Katara are affected by the war their mother has passed away their father is out fighting as well as many of the men in in the well all of the men in the tribe tribe. are 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 gone fighting um but what we don't see is like Katara is um or what sorry let me rephrase that what we get is Katara and Sokka, who are kind of having to be the leaders of this tribe in their own way. And all that they know is this small town. Like, they've never left the, yeah, south, the, the south Pole. Podunk. Right. Like, they've never left. They don't know. Like, at least in the Earth Kingdom, all these small towns are somewhat connected and communicate with one another. Mm-hmm. People don't go down all the way down south to where their tribe is. So, like, they're not getting much information. Like, no. they don't really know what's going on in the war. So, like, they're they're completely isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really weird and interesting. Well, and they're, also... They're a beaten down people. Like, we, right. talked, we talked about previously, um, like, the world is beaten down. Like, people's spirits are broken. And that is incredibly the case for the Southern Water Tribe. All of their waterbenders have been systematically hunted down and captured or killed. Right. Like their men have left. It's, it's there. They are just surviving. Like right. that's all they have left at this point. Right. And I feel like, I feel like that's one of the reasons that Katara is so attached to this idea of hope. And Sokka is such a pessimist. Like it very much shows in their character that like they, they operate off different ideals and that Sokka is doing what he can, but is saddened by the loss of his father and, and to a slightly lesser extent, his mother, um, at least I feel uh, we never really see him super, yeah. super it's, broken up. Right, it's um, there, but yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, but, that one affects Katara more, and the, the dad leaving affects Sokka more. Yeah, I but mean, it affects. We but we, see, we get we get moments with both where we yeah. see the effect of the other. Absolutely, um, and it is it's it's very important to who they are as characters. But I I do know what you mean. Like their tribe sucks. Like it's bad. But right. I feel like they don't really have anything else. Right. So, but what I'm getting at is that their, their characters to me make a lot of sense because yeah. I feel like they're kind of, especially Sokka is this one, a little bit one dimensional character. You see like this, this sexism in him from early yeah. on. Um, and, and I think I'm not justifying it, but it makes sense that he being in the small town and being told to be the leader is like, doesn't understand um, Katara and like doesn't mm-hmm. understand the role that men and women's roles don't have to be this specific way. Well, I, I feel like even going a step further, 
he very much attaches himself to this idea that men are the warriors and the yeah. leaders. Oh, for sure. Because because he holds his father in such this great ideal in his mind. Right. And I feel like one of the big reasons that he sort of has these incredibly strong opinions on the topic is because that's all he's known his entire life. Right. And like he was never taught any differently, even though, even though that's not the case. Like women are just as capable in the same roles as men are in a lot of ways and, and vice versa. Um, and it's it's rather than seeing men sort of in in the women role so to speak you know we often see more women in the quote unquote men role like that sounds like an awful statement but you know what i mean it's yeah. like I, and that really starts with his uh his meeting like suki i think is one of the first real oh, big interactions sure. we see on that where he suddenly is brought to this idea of women warriors what the heck are you talking about and they kick his butt (laughs) they they destroy him utterly yeah yeah. and and he humbles himself to the extent of of please like i'm sorry can you teach me like because he wants to he wants to grow and learn and he he acknowledges them as being superior to him right um and and in the avatar extras that i watched uh available on amazon um they talk about how suki is actually sokka's first master in the series Mm -hmm. uh and that she teaches she teaches him like a little bit of form and and a little bit of what it means to be a warrior in their style and it's interesting i never really considered that to be their dynamic at first um but yeah uh katara is very much not happy with sokka's sexism right and so what i think is really interesting is how i think her bending yeah. actually represents, in a way, her... This, empowerment, this, in a way? Empowerment, this feminist stance, like this, she yeah. realizes there's something bigger and better out there, and I'm meant for more than what every, everyone else can see because of this, this power that I have within me. And I think that that's a cool parallel to our world where I think women, like I went through the experience of realizing oh, I don't have to be this stereotype that I've always been told or always have seen. Like, I can be more, and I feel it in me. I'm capable of these things. Absolutely. So I think it's really cool that that's physically represented by her water bending and this realizing that there's something more out there. There's something more in me, and I want it. I want it. And, like, it's this drive for change and for something new. And I think that that's a really cool, powerful thing that she has in her. And we see it constantly throughout the series. Yeah, I like that it comes up more specific like a, pretty much directly in the northern water tribe you yeah. know what i mean where they, where they have they have a lot of they have a lot of preconceived notions that are simply the case and the reason the southern tribe split from the northern tribe was due to a difference in cultural beliefs right um and the idea that that women are just as capable was one of those right. beliefs i don't know if there were other ones that they don't really talk about but this was right. sort of the prominent one featured in in well the, the engagements Bowl. that's a part of it too yeah sure 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 arranged marriages are part of their culture mm-hmm. there's, um, different, there's different levels of sexism yeah uh and it's it's interesting to see that master paku yeah as an example is an interesting character I don't think that he necessarily believes that women are inferior benders. You know what I mean? Okay. I believe that he's been raised in a culture and he believes strongly in his culture. Like in people are very, probably. people are very attached to tradition in this show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the whole world that we live in. <laughs> uh, and 
And at one point, because naturally, like, tra tradition is the the right answer always, right? Yeah. Like we should never change. We should always stick to our traditions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with breaking free from tradition, but I, I think one of the themes of this show is that tradition is an important thing, but that it should be studied and understood more than blindly followed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's something that also uh, is a theme in one of the comics, believe it or not, um, where there's like some ancient airbender tradition that Aang wants to reenact and Toph is not about it. She's, she's basically... Ang uses the phrase, that's just the way that it is. And Toph hates that expression because her whole life yeah. she's asked, why do I have to do this thing or be this way? And she's been told, that's just the way that it is. Right. And Ang wants to do this tradition and he's not sure exactly of its purpose, but he wants to do it to honor his, honor his you know, predecessors. And they talk about why you should or shouldn't do that and changes that should be made or, or understandings that can be reached. And Master Paku does look down on Katara for being like a girl, I guess, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because there aren't, there aren't any prominent female waterbenders who use combat waterbending in the North Pole. So he probably, and, and there's no waterbenders left in the South Pole at all. I assume, I assume that he thinks that she is not very capable. Um, and when well, she shows based that- off of, Based off of their tradition- Yeah women were are also being told you can't do this you have to be this yeah and so they i Man, think I, like what we see in 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 the history of our world is that when women and men both believe that this is what women should be yeah and that's what they believe and that's what they do yeah. and then here comes katara who's like i'm ready to fight i want to learn i'm so excited and everyone's like that's not what women do like that's not and yeah and that's not yeah what are you talking and they're about confused. and of course and, no women in that society have fought for it because they've been they believe that that's not what they're supposed to do with their yeah. water bending and i i like that when he catches them he says yeah like he pre he catches ang and katara water bending together and ang teaching katara what he's learned master paku goes you've disrespected me and you've disrespected my culture mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's I don't think that it's necessarily that he has a problem with women being waterbenders. I think that it's just something he's known his entire life and they are spitting in the face of it. You know what I mean? He's uncomfortable. Um, well, and they're going directly against what he... Absolutely. He, they, they're doing exactly what he said. Don't do this because I don't want you to. He's, right. They're not listening to him. And I like, I like that, you know, there is redemption for him. Like he agrees to teach Katara and he even um, in, in the later comics takes on two young female waterbenders as well uh, as students. But man, up to this point, thinking about it, I feel really bad for any female waterbenders in the North Pole who can't heal with water. I know, right? Because apparently that's like a special trait. Right. Uh, that only some waterbenders get. And if you're a female waterbender who can't heal, you can't do anything with it. You might as well just not have it. You can cook with it, so. Uh, I mean, I guess. <laughs> if they learn a little bit. Sure, yeah, a soup bending. Um, exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Water bending would be so useful, because you just, like, you take the soup and you just... Yeah, but you could just not do that. Instead, just get a ladle, like... <laughs> uh, but it's so much more fun. Sure, I know what you mean. It's the idea, it's like the idea of, like, man, having telekinesis would be really cool, but what, like, is it really, do I need it? You know what I mean? Would it actually be useful? In yeah, yeah, no well, kidding, in yeah. our world, it wouldn't be. Sure. 
Um, it's like, I think in a lot of ways, firebending would be useless in today's culture and society. But I could always be warm in the snow. I live in, listen. That's true. Yeah, we live in, <laughs> I live in a uh, snowy climate. New York. Yeah. Western New York. So you know what? It snows almost yeah. every day. It's cold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will be in the middle of summer and all of a sudden one day it'll snow and the next day it'll be 90 degrees and that is Rochester for you also I feel like I'm very much a day person not a night person and water bending is better at night and fire bending is better during the day also that's that's a weird thing because I'm a night person and you're a day person absolutely it's very strange Um, but uh it's it's one of those things that sort of comes up briefly water bending and fire bending are really the only elements that we see be affected by exterior stimulus yeah um like with eclipses like lunar like uh like solar events uh like you know solar eclipse lunar eclipse meteors uh or comets excuse me um things along those lines like we never see an occasion where earth bending or air air bending are affected by these things i could picture yeah. circumstances like maybe during a crazy earthquake uh, earth bending becomes more powerful or uh during a typhoon air bending becomes more powerful and things like that but it's it's weird to think about how certain things can be affected in certain ways i had a yeah. i had a friend talk to me about earth bending as a concept and how the way that the way that bending works uh or like earth bending works is that it because they can bend such a weird variety of stuff from metal to earth to gems to uh, meteorite, like given the context of what they can bend, they can bend carbon, which is very present heavily in human bodies, mm-hmm. particularly bones. Mm-hmm. And so he asked me, bone does bending. that mean an earth bender could bone bend? Like similar to blood bending? Right. And I said, no because bloodbending requires a full moon and like enhanced well ability well at least you know unless well listen i'm not talking about genetic mutations or anything like that um uh for those who don't know what we're talking about in legend of korra there is a there's a bloodbender featured who does not require the full moon to bloodbend um but earthbending doesn't have any kind of equivalent but even you know that's all fun and interesting stuff um but anyway i just i like that i like that top has like the space later that she can like oh oh no no no. okay so this is funny to me so it's called earth bending yeah like they're not space yeah but they're not technically on planet earth like we're on the world is called earth though their planet yeah oh okay all right okay okay well actually so all right i okay culture moment Okay. So in shows like this, or in in concepts like this, uh, the rules of the universe are different. Like, Mm -hmm. people can do different stuff. There's different things, blah, 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 blah. The term magic is thrown around a couple times in this series. and Not always related to spirits and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there's a weird secret Harry Potter world of people who can use magic in The Last Airbender? Not at all. You don't think so? I think Not that would be all. neat. I think that would be neat. I think as, the world is a lot smaller than we think it is, like the last Airbender world. And so I think there's no way they could hide something like that. Maybe, but I don't know. It's it's also, weird to if think they about. have people doing this different bending, then of course 
magic would also like people would know about that like i don't see people it's just i when i imagine the word magic it's like a cultural thing like people doing something that can't be explained and that's Mm -hmm. not super that's not super relevant in i guess like magic tricks and stuff like that but they they commonly refer to the idea of some magic going on or something anyway it's just a weird thought that i had while watching the show i was like why do they keep using that and it's honestly just because it's it's mostly because that's just how writing works and how when styling a series you can't have too many like proper nouns like some weird strange term for something and you can't ignore certain other terms uh so they say magic just because people know people watching the show know what magic is and stuff i just like attaching onto weird silly ideas for no reason um but anyways back to katara back to katara uh, so, she doesn't do magic does not do magic just water running um i will say too that i think she's an incredibly talented water she is absolutely i think the moment that everyone kind of is like oh my gosh like she's really powerful is the moment that uh zuko and her go and so the the episode called southern raiders where they go after the guy oh that yeah that's a that's a crazy her, one her mother and just the moment that she like stops the freaking rain yeah that's a really cool moment shoots it at the sky and stops it before hitting him like so powerful mm-hmm. and and just this progression of her water bending from the little baby waterbender that we get at the very beginning yeah. to who, keep, who freezes backwards master, by accident right to her fight with master paku like yeah. just that evolution alone we see her it's like she's really working hard yeah well there is um there is a very clear transition moment actually if you watch the series um where she is ang has a moment where he is a better waterbender than she is mm-hmm. uh in the waterbending scroll episode right. right but it's not until after that episode that katara starts to surpass him Right. quickly very quickly right um in fact uh i would i would wager that it is the fact that she has learned some waterbending forms specifically that suddenly her abilities skyrocket because yeah. she she learned she, she learned how to do things independently all on her own right. and that is already an incredible feat but starting to get an insight into how her culture approaches waterbending and how it is the correct way to do it mm-hmm. she suddenly is more capable of doing more stuff um and she needs a master to to formalize all those things um as we see in the north pole but it's right. it's very interesting to to sort of take this concept that she was not very skilled like she was incredible for right. being able to do it at all right to some extent even discovering her ability to heal on all on her own right um but it wasn't until formally later that she was like a master for me one of the big moments where she demonstrated like her power growth was when she fought hama the uh infamous mm-hmm. blood-bending old lady uh in uh, in the fire nation uh a very crazy fight uh one where katara demonstrates that she is more powerful than than this crazy masterful waterbending lady and so fact, i think i do think youth has something to do with it um i would disagree okay I, because i don't think we never see an occasion where being old has weakened someone's bending in fact boomy uh, a 112 year old man uh is one of if not the most powerful earthbender in the world true um and iroh is probably second or third 
Uh, well, actually, yeah, I guess he's like actually uh, second to fourth. I think is somewhere in there for him. He's more powerful than Zhang Zhang. He's less powerful than Ozai and Ang by the end of the series. So I guess I do think there's something to be said about like keeping in shape and doing. Oh, absolutely. I think well because you need to do the forms. Right, and for Hama, she had less of the ability to do that because one, she was in prison for so long, and two, was living in a Fire Nation yeah. uh, civilization for so long. So that I think maybe that's more where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. That that impacts her how how strong of a bender she was versus Katara, who's bends all the time. Yeah, I also think that um, and is a master. The, I love I love seeing people analyze this series and the forms and styles that people mm-hmm. use because they're very specific right and um I, i've seen people recently reference uh there's a move that zuko does towards the end of the series where he he like raises his arms up together and creates like a wall of fire in front of him yeah. and that is a waterbending form mm-hmm. uh and how in the fight with katara and hama there's a moment where she makes a wall of water to stop one of hama's attacks which mm-hmm. is not something typically done by waterbenders they take the attack and re and harness it with their own energy and redirect it they don't stop attacks flat out Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. actually an earth bending form and Mm so see and this is why things like republic city should be a thing yeah and there's well and and even iroh talks about redirecting lightning as a water bending technique right And, and he and there's this constant theme of taking themes and ideas from other forms of bending and Iroh really brings it together and the order of the white lotus right. and and all these concepts that exist that talk about the idea of the nations are powerful together right you know, it's if you keep everything more separated, powerful it, together than they are separated Iroh talks about this he's like if you only learn from one thing everything becomes stagnant and stale but right. you bring everything together and you'll be more powerful than you could possibly imagine i don't right. think that's the exact quote but um it's so interesting, especially because the characters do this, where if, if you think about it, Team Avatar is a very odd group. It's yeah. so strange to have multiple kinds of benders traveling and training together in any capacity. Right. Um, because that's not something that really exists in the series uh, right. outside of them. And it's one of those, it's one of those weird occasions where the main characters are often exceptions to rules that exist in the universe. And so you don't always get as much of a feel for them. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- like why exceptions are so crazy. Right. Thinking contextually about the series, it is crazy. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why is there a Southern Water Tribe waterbender, a Middle of the Earth Kingdom earthbender, an extinct From a very race, famous family. An extinct race air nomad and Prince of the Fire Nation firebender. And then just and some normal people uh, <laughs> all traveling together around the world. That's nuts and unheard of. Right. Um, it's crazy. I love it. I love, I love that conceptually and, and what it offers for the characters. And Katara is, is such, a, such, a, such a neat character for, for what she brings to the show with, like, her bending is great. Um, she is a lot of people's uh, first cartoon crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I think as a, as a, as a young woman was the one She's, of the first yeah, powerful females that I that I saw and was Although I think I think people tend to line more with Toph in that in, the, in that spectrum. No, for sure, but like just this I I, I don't know. I always looked up to Katara. I also probably had a bit of a crush on Katara myself. Uh but <laughs> I mean seriously. But you're right. I mean, I guess I I also love love Toph. We'll get this off. But um yeah, but it's just these strong female characters. Um I also love that 
Well, one of the ways that we see her power, too, is that in the beginning of season three, when they're on the Fire Nation boat, she, like, I just think that it's so cool what she does. Like, she always is there to, like, do the next thing. And she, like, she's, like, they, like, poke something into the, poke something, they, like, stab something into the boat, and it's, like, bringing in water, so she freezes it. She brings this big tidal wave to separate the boats. Like, she's just doing all these powerful, really cool things. If you didn't have a waterbender, y'all would be screwed right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, all of them offer such a, such a good dynamic to, to all of it. Yeah, they all offer their own thing. Absolutely. Yeah. This is probably, you're right, why they're so powerful, that they have all of these different elements. And I think the fact that they have non-benders is, is a part of that. Absolutely. Um, The fact that they have this, people that are just good at hand-to-hand combat, at doing things Mm -hmm. that, so one of the weaknesses of Katara is that you'll there are moments when she can't waterbend and she and she, she can't do anything. Too. She feels helpless. She never even I'm sorry, but she never even tries to learn hand to hand combat. No. Like she's really if she doesn't have water, she is actually useless. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's, I've no I've that's, noticed that's it in case, a few different episodes. For like a lot of like Toph, when in occasions where she can't earthbend, is a blind girl. Like, right. Well, you know, then she just makes metal bending, and it's all fine. Well, I mean, like in the in the in the desert episodes, like in the library right. episode, like right. she she can't do anything. Right. It's like the library's sinking, and they're taking off away and stuff. Right. And it's. So I also think there's a there's a there's a argument to be made that with her blindness too. Yeah. Like she there's there's sure. something more there that with Katara it's just she's just useless. Yeah. Well, that's uh, well. So that's that's one of the things that I appreciate about the series is I like when they highlight characters who can't bend and are incredibly competent. Yeah. Right. Um, one of the reasons one of my my favorite season one episode is the Blue Spirit because mm-hmm. it highlights non benders being incredibly capable. Like, right. Between the Blue Spirit although technically he's a bender, um, like the blue spirit, like with his broadswords, um, the Yugen archers being just incredible, amazing archers. Um, right. Like this whole fortress that is, is doing such a, such a good job of restraining the avatar. Right. And and then Tai Lee, who can literally yep. block people's chi to take away their bending. Like yep. that is, um, that's really impressive. And mm-hmm. it seems to me not well known at all. It isn't, but she uh, yes, she yes. the Kyoshi Warriors at the end of the series and right. actually teaches them all chi blocking. Right. And later, um, they teach like a uh, a bunch of non-benders who are like a self police force how to chi block as well, and that's sort of where it starts getting popularity. Right. Um. But yeah, like that is an incredibly powerful technique. Uh, May, uh, with her her weapon skills. Right. Even even Sokka. There's people and, that want to fight that can't bend, and they yeah. are like, "Cool, I will find a way to fight." Yeah, like Sokka, especially, like, I really like, like, his boomerang is super, super relevant through the whole series. Mm-hmm. Actually, his boomerang given to him by his father. Um, I believe that. Yeah, that's true. Although, there, there is a part of me that's like, how did they get one? Because it's not like they have any factories where they come from. That's fine, they made it. Um, it's metal! So what? They can import. Uh, like, no, they can't. They could. They import from know. where? Uh, a long time ago. I don't know, maybe it's a family heirloom. Anyway, um, yeah. I really like. Can I can I move on to Sokka for a bit? Uh, oh, there's one one more note sure. I want to give on Katara. So what I'll say is that she something that's interesting about the way that they wrote this show is that, like I was saying, that her being helpless with water. She also there are moments that I'm like they obviously put water there just because she's there. So in the crystal catacombs or whatever that that scene is, yeah. they have this whole like underground. There's the waterfall water. river. Yeah. And I'm like, 
they put that there because she's because she has to fight well i mean they talk about it's like the ruins of the old city no 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 no. they talk about it's the i mean yes but like it's the ruins of an old city and and stuff like that so it does make sense that there is water there but i do know what you mean it's you know when you have when you have characters who have a gimmick you need to have there be thematic elements as to like they need to be able to demonstrate their abilities Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of all right imagine for me x-men right wolverine's superpower is that he regenerates he gets hurt and then he heals it up right cyclops shoots laser beams right wolverine gets stabbed and chopped up and shot and beaten to a bloody pulp all the time that is because his superpower is the ability to regenerate (laughs) cyclops does not get stabbed and shot and cut up and beaten to a bloody pulp very often because he cannot regenerate you know what i mean like when you have a character character is is a long distance shoot I, no, no. Well, I mean, it's relevant to any of the characters. I use those I know, two because I know, they're very but famous, I'm just, but like, I'm just, I'm just arguing. Yeah. I'm just Listen, definitely. if you have a master waterbender, you're gonna give her stinking water. Right. Uh, it's it just makes sense thematically. Like, I don't want to remove people's opinions that like. Listen, there are reasons for it in the plot because there are reasons for it in the plot. Right. It's my opinion that plot and characters are inseparable. You can't right. have a good story without every element that leads to the success of the finale you know what i mean um if you you, people call it plot armor i call it a good story um there are times where it's unfair and nonsensical but i mean honestly the main character wouldn't be the main character unless they win in the end right true um another thought on katara though last thought because this is what we were gonna start with and then we didn't was on the romance between ang and katara oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, Uh, it's you know it's cute yeah, I'm fine with it. I like I yeah, I I appreciate that it's more Ang's romance than it is Katara's. Sure. I just think that for me, I can see them together. I'm not saying sure. I don't ship them. It's just that he still is 12. And at the end there at the very last scene when they kiss, I'm sitting here like, "You know what? I could have done without it." I'm fine if they get married. I'm fine if that's what ends up happening. But I didn't need a moment where they became the couple. Right yeah, now. but I didn't want Sokka to be the only one in a, like a committed okay relationship. May was back. Zuko yeah, had May know, again. Eh? Like, <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I feel that way. Yeah. So, and uh, it's, man, Sokka, like, Sokka and Zuko in the show, like real, I know. real ladies men. Uh, I know. Can I say though that Sokka? I'm not. I was never the like. I love love Sokka. He's great. But I never like found him attractive as a cartoon character no. until season three when he's like wearing the red army or great. armor. Sorry, armor and like that with his brown hair and blue eyes. I'm like, okay, all right, Sokka. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. I really actually I really like the uh, the water tribe armor. Like they've got like the dark blues and like the moon oh yeah on them. oh oh, oh. So those good. are those are really cool looking. Um, yeah. But so Sokka, Sokka's a really fun character for me because he starts off just the comedic, like, element. Nonsense. He's, yeah, he's, he's the foil, as it were. Like, he's he there to he's be so entertaining. Um, do you know that, no, the first time Zuko knocks him down, do you know that Zuko, one, doesn't use firebending, two, doesn't use his arms, literally uses his feet and knocks Sokka down? Do you know that? Um, no, doesn't, let me think. Cause you're right. He just he just yeah. kicks him into the snow pile, and then right. and then uh, Sokka 
comes in with a spear and he smashes the spear to pieces, hits him in the face with the butt of it a couple times, yeah. snaps it in half and throws the pieces aside. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so I'm just like, he's, oh he's, my God. He's, not very, he's not a very competent warrior. He never no, he's he never, not. He never had any capacity to learn from anyone. He has this idea but that what a warrior courage. should be. Yeah, he has great courage, but it's perhaps misplaced stupidity. Um, right. <laughs> and, and he evolves past that, though. Yeah, no, um, he does. Absolutely. I'm so glad much, that he got out of there yeah. and became his own person. He comes into his own as a strategist and a tactician mm-hmm. and yeah. a, a, a creative thinker. Um, and he learns a bit from Suki, and he he does achieve some stuff here and there. Like, you know, he fights a couple Fire Nation soldiers and stuff here and there throughout some episodes. Um, but he's not, he's not a master warrior, like necessarily he's, he's very competent. And like, we sort of see, I'm trying to think if there's an occasion before the invasion, like the black sun, uh, but mostly it's, it's innovation and ideas and like brilliant ideas. He's, he's very intelligent and creative. Um, and we see that come to light when he works with the mechanist and some of his ideas and plans um, to create like the submarines and even the whole invasion. Um, he's very, he's very much super relevant to the story, but it's not until I guess meeting master P and Dow mm-hmm. that I really think of him as a competent warrior. Um, and this is one of those episodes that thinking about it, he works with a sword master for like a couple of days tops mm-hmm. and then leaves. But one of the things I think is interesting is that he does like, he teaches soccer like basic form and stuff like that. But what he really homes in on is focusing Sokka's talents into the idea of a sword. Yeah. Um, and rather than teaching teaching a style he teaches a lifestyle mm-hmm. um of uh, examining yes, yes master piano <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love i love that episode it's such a good episode it is um, a good episode and examining I love, like i love that the squad is like at back at camp like oh what do we do without soccer yeah, I yeah love they're so that lost because, him. well i love it's that true. it's, it's so true it's a cool theme that like you can only be a competent warrior if you have bending that's not exactly a theme but it's kind of a thought process i think yeah it's a general right well i mean i think i think i think toff says in that episode it's like it's okay guys you know the we've got three three master benders on our side and he goes hey what about me and it's like okay three master benders plus (laughs) sokka right and and in a way it's like it should like should it matter that sokka's there or not but it really does like he really makes the group what it is and uh Good, good man. There's a throughout some of the early season three episodes, he's got this master schedule, like this big old scroll with all these colors. That's on it. during the that's, painted lady, which that's actually that's actually uh, based on the production schedule for Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I it's love it's that. pretty funny. Um, and I, one of the extras came up and and said something along the lines of. Uh, Osaka was saying, you know, we're behind schedule. And the, the producers basically said, so similar, so this image is based on the, the production schedule for Last Airbender. And similar to Sokka's schedule, we were also often behind schedule. <laughs> um, and it's funny, awesome. I, I, like, I like little bits like that being added to the show <laughs> that people might get or not. Um, 
but yeah, I, I like that. I like that Mr. P and Dad teaches Sokka like hone in on these talents. Yeah, and apply them to your style. Use your agility. Yeah, yeah, your intelligence, your creativity, your your imagination. Like work all these for things. You. All these things can make you a powerful sword master right. someday if you keep training. Um, and it's not about it's not about forms and style. It's about who you are, and that's what makes you strong. Um, yeah, and I like that. I really think yeah. that that's a great theme. I don't. I don't know how realistic that is. I'm not. Right. I'm not much of an educated swordsman or anything right. like that. I don't think he's exactly ever a master swordsman either. No, it's, I never, would say it's never really seen. He does lose his sword pretty quick. True. But he does. Goodbye, he does. He does exercise. Sword. He does exercise competence with it. Like he uses it to effect. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to do because it's easy to show people getting hit by big chunks of water or rock or air mm -hmm. and it's non-lethal quote unquote but you can't show someone getting cut down by a sword in, yeah. in a show like this where where the idea of a life is so important um and and that's that's just the nature of, of how it is i have i have no i have no doubt in my mind that Sokka would absolutely cut down a fire nation soldier in a battle i believe that he would absolutely do I, I like the invasion of black sun they they probably killed people there yeah um and it's it's a very it's a very heavy topic that we don't really discuss right. and the idea of the fire lord's life you know my, as my wife and i were watching through the show again you know we were like ang has absolutely killed people before <laughs> just like <laughs> accidentally like never directly you know what i mean it's like there was a there was a season one episode where they're like blowing people off cliffs and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, right. those people are dead. Well, uh, they dead. And it's it's hard, you know. You you try to give the scale of this this big important issue and and the lives that are going into it, and you don't want to focus on that idea. You don't want to focus on people dying because that's not what yeah. the show's about. Yeah. Um, it's not what the series is about. Um, and it's not what it's not what the characters are about. Mm -hmm. um this is not some gritty war story this isn't a world war ii moment this is just this is just the way that the situation is um mm -hmm. and i like that i like that we never see Sokka take a man's life or anything like that that is not something that needs to be in this story right. you know even though i understand that he would do it um he doesn't need to do it right you and know. that's not what the series in a way is about no. No, 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 no. like losing innocence in that way is not necessarily what what they want to have a conversation with like yeah. matt and i watch a show called ruby and there's a very significant oh, scene where where somebody somebody dies because of two characters actions and we were like talking about it after we watched the episode and we're like that person definitely died like there's no way that this character's coming back and just now with these characters yeah there, there could have been there could have been some doubt or some like you know oh it was a trick and there was a camera trick and like they could still right. be alive there was you no know, way like it was as, it was one of those confirmed death sort of moments Right. Uh, they're not going to come and, back in the 11th hour like haha i'm still alive right and they did that so that these two characters could grapple with we just took a life what does that mean like how do we you know and like having to deal with the consequences of what it means to take literally take someone's life mm -hmm. and that's just something that i think last airbender isn't it isn't what the story wants to get into and i think that's fair i think they get into so and many they, and, and, and even then they do touch on the issue with ang right, and, and right. we talked about that already you know it's 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 a prevalent thing but it's not something that all the characters struggle with and um and because even it's Katara, a war. Katara, 
Katara wanted to war. kill that. Katara wanted to kill that man in the Southern Mariners right. episode. The man and their killed. mother died yeah. it's, because of the it's war. Crazy. Because someone killed her. Yeah. yeah. So death exists for sure. Loss, death, grief. There's so much of that in this story. Um, but dealing with that personal relationship of there, that personal like actually make doing the action to intentionally kill someone um, is not necessarily part of the series. But so, anyway, Sokka, super solid character. I, so, love, okay. I love his humor. It's, so here's it's, the question then. Yeah. Who, who do you think is the leader of Team Avatar? There is no leader of Team Avatar. They are a I, democratic honestly, unit. I, I think I agree with that. They're a democratic unit. Like Sokka is been appointed schedule man. And, uh, but they, they take votes on pretty much every major decision in the show uh, mm-hmm. that, that we can really see. Um, I don't think that there's any one specific moment where, where one character steps up and goes, no, this is what we're doing. And the whole right. group is like, okay, okay, if you insist. Right. And even when they decide to let Zuko join, it's this it's conversation. Democratic. Yep. Right. Aang is like, I think you should be my, my master, but only if my friends yeah. agree you can be here. And, you know, and, and it just it's just a beautiful conversation and all mm-hmm. of them being like, we're in this together, we're not in it at all, you know? Yeah. And it's cool to see Toph's development with that too, um, over time, like what it means to be a all part right. of a team. Getting Sorry. into Toph. Toph. <laughs> so thinking about this, I it's it's my opinion, and you're free to call me out on this, okay. that Toph is probably the of the of of the main team avatar. Okay. Toph is probably the one who changes the least throughout the series. Uh, she, her character development does exist. Yeah. Not super relevant to the series. I think she's kind of on par with Aang. Kinda. Except her, her issues aren't really as big. You know what I mean? Um, like, she definitely has, like, moments where she, she grows and learns to understand things more. Like, um, like she's from Bossing Say, right? She, yeah. she is very much not a girly girl. Very no. much not. And, no. and Katara was kind of hoping she would be, um, you know, in, in, in uh, the, the chase episode. Um, Katara goes, I'm just glad to have another girl in the group, you know, yeah. so, you know, all these men or whatever. And she goes... And, and she's just joking around with the guys because she's very much like tomboyish and not, not super into girly girl stuff. And then right. in Tales from Bossing Say, she goes, she goes to the spa with Katara and was like, that was actually kind of fun. Like, I don't normally do stuff like that, but that was, that was all right. And they have this bonding moment over like a, you know, not to genderize it, but over a very feminine concept. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and she comes to terms a bit more with her own, self-identity and and sort of later in the series like dealing with her family a little bit and there's actually um one of the the post-series comics haha uh she meets with her father um and her father and mother have actually divorced Ah. because her mother her mother blames the father for driving Toph away oh no that's awful and and there's some stubbornness on both sides, but they they begin to reconcile and mm. and start to try to form a relationship again. Mm. And it's it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, where where we see this at first at first they're really not about each other, but they begin to try to understand one another. And and Toph really shows growth in that moment. But within the series, um, we really see Toph being Toph the whole time, and I appreciate yeah. that. Like. Yeah. 
as much as as but much as I because it sounds like, it's like tough. tough. <laughs> uh, as much as I enjoy, as as much as this series so much benefits from the idea of characters growing and changing and coming into their own, I I like that Toph is fairly consistent. Hmm. She she is she's a rock. She's the rock that the group Literally made sometimes. Literally just a rock. Uh, and like, it makes sense because she wasn't with us all of the season. Yeah. Like she came in early season two and was there season two and season three. Yeah. But wasn't there season one. So it almost makes sense that there would be less character development yeah. because we don't. She knows, she knows who she is. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that is something I really love about her. And it was part of the reason I think she, so I think my, her favorite character is Zuko and then Toph for me. And hmm. I think part of it is because she's such a genuine person who just knows who she is and wants the freedom to be herself and I think that's a beautiful thing and I love how she doesn't let her quote-unquote limitations literally limit her like she's like I'm blind so what I'm gonna make jokes about it and I'm gonna yeah yeah, yeah. but I've made my own way to see (laughs) she makes a lot of don't look down on me. Like I am who I am. I love her blind jokes. They're great. So there it is. I was like, what? That's what it will look like when one of you sees it and waves her hand in front of her eyes. I love it. It's great. Um, <laughs> I can't see anything. Oh no. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Her wit is really great. Like the, what she brings to the team is super solid. I like right. her teaching Aang how to earth bend. Uh, like that whole episode, the Earth yeah. Master, is so great. Right, um, and it's even, cool because even, it it echoes back to that Boomy quote. Yeah, like Airbenders are meant to avoid and evade. Like that's how yeah. their fighting style or how their whole bending goes. And she's like, no, when you see a rock, you just have to hit it straight on. Like yeah. there is no going about around that. And yeah. it's really cool. There's, it's yeah, there's there's no the there's no different angle or tricky trick that you're going to use to move that rock. Um, yeah, it's that's it's a great episode. I like. I like seeing Toph demonstrate like what it means to be an earthbender and how right. Aang struggles with that. And, right. and that whole, that whole interaction where she has to get Aang to come out of his shell and stand up to her. It's right. great. Right. Um, yeah. She just, she just does a great job throughout the entire series of just being a solid all around character. She, you know, it, and it's, there's never, I feel like her, her ability to sense things is never necessarily overplayed. Like it's, they use it a lot, but it yeah. never feels like a cheat. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are yeah. things, there are exceptions to her abilities. And, and there are times where they fight like flying opponents and she can't stink and do anything. Like they fought the, right. the buzzard wasps in the desert. She's like, I have no idea where they are. Um, right. And stuff like that. And I, uh, which is why, wait, wait, that's why I love when they fight, uh, when they fight Ozai and she's like, where's the blimp? And Sokka's like there, but before he even says it, she's already like trajectile yeah. them Damn. towards the, the blimp thing. And yeah, right in front of us. What would have happened if like, she just totally was off base. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like even like her invention of metal bending, it's like brilliant, really yeah. cool stuff. Um, I like, and I really don't think any other bender could have invented it. Like, I think because of I think, her connection, I think maybe someday, with, but yeah, like maybe it's, like if they'd really tried. But yeah. the fact that she was in that specific situation and she was an earth bender that really hears the earth, really feels yeah. the earth, like has that connection that I think not all benders have with their element, no, 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 like, no. She, not to that extent. Yeah, like I feel like that this particular situation where there's no way she could have gotten out of it. Um, um so um, in Legend of Korra, um, metal bending is a bit more normalized, like people could do it, um. Right. But uh, at one point, it is mentioned that 
no one is as capable a metal bender as Toph is. Yeah. Um, and uh, she actually um, she actually starts a metal bending school after the series ends. Um, and she 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 finds people who can metal bend um, in 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 kind of an interesting way. So her space rock when she's around earthbenders who have very powerful emotional reactions, her uh, her meteor bracelet will actually like shake and shimmer um, mm. as if being affected by by some sort of bending. Um, and those people are capable of metal bending. Ah, interesting. Yeah, and so she she begins to teach metal benders and like some of the early techniques they use are like moving coins around and stuff. Um, it's interesting, it's really neat. Yeah. Um, and she she teaches a couple students and, and gets involved in this this big stuff, but it's it's weird to think of her opening up like a school, you know what I mean? Uh, but she just yeah, like, bossing people I, around. I just see this conversation where Ang's like, "Hey, how do you feel about like being the chief of police or whatever?" And she's like, "Yes, like that's all I wanted." Like, I, I imagine <laughs> I imagine she's more on board with like, "I just want to be the boss." Like, I, but to an extent, I don't know. Like, just let me catch the more the I think about the more I think about uh, Chief Toff Bayfong of the Republic City Police Department, the less I think that she would ever do that. Really? Uh, I think I think maybe if Aang pitched to her, look, you get to beat up criminals. And she goes, all right. But like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, she's not about, she's not about like diplomacy and investigation work and stuff like right. that. In my but opinion. I think at this, at, by the end, like she's a part of this, this group of people that came to save the world. And I think all of them on the other end of it were like, what do we do now? Sure. You know? And so when this, city was formed i think a lot of them found a place where they they fit into this mold of the city right mm. and so i think that toth as she was growing up i mean we all at some point have to start being like all right what do we want to do with our life you know sure. and i think that this opportunity and some way she can use her metal bending in a way that no one else can um made a lot of sense to her to yeah. create this police force um to create well, this school to create something something she's passionate about and to yeah pass it on to others the the one of the things they bring up in Korra actually is that Toph actually spent a, a good portion of her life traveling around the world um good. like just going different places and doing different things um and she also uh not to slight her name or anything she also had children with several different men um so uh some of the characters in Korra are Toph's daughters uh and I think I'm pretty sure don't quote me on this because it's been a while since I've watched Cora. I'm pretty sure the two that we meet are from different fathers. Uh, I'm not, I think they're I her think only children. I think that's right. I think I remember that. Yeah. Uh. Um, and it's... Legend of Cora does some weird things for me because it, it shows some of the characters as adults or talks about how they were as adults mm -hmm. and points out some flaws that they had. And I don't want that. Like... As an example, um, Aang is depicted as kind of a bad father. Yeah. I don't want to hear about that. Like, don't make Aang a bad dad. Get away from me. Uh, and like, and like, Toph is a bad mother. And I see, I, I could see Toph. I could, I could see Toph being a bad mother, <laughs> sadly. Like, I love Toph. Toph is great. Um, she's a very fun character. She is probably not a very easy character to get along with. No. Um, 
and that's that's just who she is though like right. i don't i don't hate that about her i think in real right. life i could get along with toff but she would drive me nuts yeah um you know what i mean and it's it's the sort of thing where like people often turn out different than you would necessarily expect right um and do things differently and and, and nobody will ever do anything exactly the way that you think that they will mm-hmm. um so i don't know it's it's interesting to think about but yeah so what do you think about um, Sokka and Toph's relationship? I think they're, I think they're fun. I think they're cute. Um, I, so if I had to put a label on what I would consider them, I think that honestly part of it is just they're kind of best friends. So sure. we get these like moments where it's like, does Toph like kind of have a thing for Sokka? I think she, I think she probably had a crush on him. And yeah. I think she, yeah, I'm sure that there's a crush there. And I think there's also part of her that knew that he would never be interested. Like, I think that there's yeah, a it was very much, It was very much one of those, like, I think this is probably like, the first guy she's ever really interacted with aroundish her own age that she trusts that, that she that trusts she and like can with. joke around with and stuff right like ang was never really that guy for her right like he kind of follows them yeah. like what we're think, saying like in the was, like in the what the runaway yeah she was she, probably she was probably like he was probably her first crush i would say yeah and but I do think that they just kind of have this best friendship yeah, because think about it like before Toph joined the group, I feel like Ang and Katara always were a little bit. Yeah, he was he was very much the third because wheel. of the bending because of what whatever these different yeah their life values are. and stuff like right. that yeah, yeah right because Katara was the one who wanted to go with Ang originally and Sokka just kind of like joined the group you know so like yeah. those elements to it and so I feel like when Sokka and Toph got together like they both have this like. We love meat. We love messing with people. We love sarcasm. We love, yeah. you know. And yeah. so I feel like they just got along well. Sure. Um, and, and like even just that, like Sokka was super into uh, the arena stuff when with the yeah, Earth Rumble and Six. That. And so when she won as the blind bandit, like he was like they just. I mean, he was disappointed because the the boulder didn't win, but right. Um, of course, of course. Of course, uh, actually, they they tried to get the Rock to to play him, and they couldn't. Um, ah. And also later he adopted a, a pet, like a small like rock animal or something, and he named it the Pebble. <laughs> That's awesome! So, I love that. Great little bit of lore for you. There. Oh no! That's so funny. But yeah, oh, I, I would say I would say Toph and Sokka. Are, fit in the best friend quality yeah actually that's i like i like that that's that's really good yeah but i do um, think she had a, a thing yeah. for him for sure um, all right it's time for lightning round of characters oh no okay uh suki thoughts i i love suki i think Suki's that great. she's a really great character and i I'm love her honest, relationship. i'm gonna be honest she's probably in my opinion uh my what I would consider to be the, this is going to sound bad, the best oh, no. female character in the show. Okay. In a weird way. Like, she's definitely not the most prevalent or anything like that. I, I really dig what she offers to the show. Who yeah, she I is, think that's how fair. she is. I like her with Sokka. I like her by herself. I like her, her values and traditions. I like how she approaches situations and, and how she's shown to be awesome. Like, yeah. just super capable and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. I love her. She's great. Yeah. Um, she's too good for Sokka. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, <laughs> she's good for I love, yeah, the last couple episodes uh, where, like, the Ember Island players and they're they're doing stuff together and uh, 
and then like her in the even in like the finale and stuff they're they're like on the beach and making sand sculptures and she's just yeah. watching Sokka do all this stupid stuff right he makes a, a terrible <laughs> artist rendition of Suki and she's like I think it's sweet and it's like oh they're cute they're really cute it's so um, cute I just like sorry I like in that scene when Toph makes the whole bossing, bossing say and little earth yeah, and, she's like I've been working on my sand bending boom like yeah. Oh my gosh! So she's like really, really powerful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. I love it. Talented. Um, I think that um, I I don't know. I I think, but I don't know that Sokka and Suki end up together. I don't know if they ever talk about it. Uh, like in in like the grand scheme of their lives, you know what I mean? Right. I have no idea. I don't um, know either. Um, but uh, okay, Suki, great solid solid character she deserves her own podcast um <laughs> i love the kyoshi warriors sadly she's not enough in the show that that's actually a yeah. Thing, uh, but yeah tylee and may uh i like both of them they're fun yeah i think they add a lot to the show too yeah i think tylee adds a level don't... of depth to the idea of martial arts and uh like body chemistry and stuff like that yeah. i like i like her backstory slight as it is i like yeah. her motivations and her underlying stuff yeah, I mean, I'll always love that, that just that whole episode where they're on Ember Island yeah. and won the party and all of oh, the yeah. oh, nonsense yeah. with that. But also love that that fire scene is one of, I, there's, I, mean, I mean, I'm a sucker for a good emotional moment. And that's one of them in the, whole, in the show as a whole that is one of my favorites, just as each, all four of them open up in their own way. Mm. Um, less Azula, but the other three for sure. And yeah. I think it's a really beautiful, beautiful moment. And um, yeah. it makes me love, yeah. And and I mean, one of the things that we didn't talk about with Azula is, she, I mean, she controls people with fear, Absolutely. right? Well, and every, so, if you look at if you look at the show, every right. single one of her relationships with every character is based on her own, uh, like moving herself forward. Mm-hmm. Her relationships with May and Tai Lee exist only in service to her to forward her goals, like. She was friends with them when they were young, but it's possible, like, she was very manipulative even at that age. It's very possible that she was friends with them because they were the daughters of, like, prominent Fire Nation people. Yeah. Uh, and, and Oh, even, for sure. Well, I think that, that it was strategically done that way sure. so that she could have friends that were yeah. also possible. And And they just happened to become very competent individuals right. in their own rights. And right. even, even, like, her Well, I think she wouldn't have kept them around or wouldn't yeah. have sought them out. Oh, yeah. They oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, she probably had she probably had other friends um people she, she controlled yeah 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 like the Dai Li Zuko her father like they yeah. were all carefully like puppeted to, for her own benefit and one of the right. reasons she never got along with her mother was because her mother had nothing to offer her um her mother also saw right through her sure but her mother does love her yeah you know what I mean yeah. like it's uh, that scene right before she's supposed to be. Um, yeah, she's going crazy and seeing her mother yeah. in the mirror. Yeah, and just like cuts her hair and then her mother. Oh, oh man, she's losing she's her losing mind. It. I love it. Well, so um, Azula, after all right, so this is after the series. One of the comics, believe it or not, I keep bringing these up. People should go read them. Um, Azula, you're, you're saying everything. Uh, Azula gets now locked up. Right. Azula gets locked up in a crazy bin. Uh, Aang does not take away her firebending. No. Um, she basically, in in the effort to find out what happened to Zuko's mother, uh, Zuko or Zuko's talking to his father about this, and Ozai says, 
if you want to know what happened to your mother, you need to bring me Azula. Um, and you need to let me talk to Azula. And he does it. He let he basically they bring Azula in in a straight jacket, and Azula is able to like escape. And um, she's basically unhinged. Like she's seeing visions of her mother everywhere, and and going through all this crazy stuff. Um, but basically, um, Azula's going nuts. Like she's going crazy. And eventually she manages to like escape, escape and get away from the group and is like out in hiding somewhere. Mm -hmm. She later comes back with a plot to overthrow Zuko. Great. um, And then realizes that she doesn't actually need to be the Fire Lord. She just needs to corrupt she, she, she basically just needs to lead Zuko into corruption and she'll basically be in charge. She goes, listen, if, you, if you're as twisted and manipulative as I am, I might as well be the Fire Lord. Uh, and kind of in her own twisted logic, like tries to... She was saying that to who? To Zuko. She's basically oh, okay. trying to corrupt Zuko and get him to think like Azula does. So that, because in her mind, there's no difference between her being the Fire Lord or her corrupting Zuko enough that he is as messed up as she is. Lovely. Uh, yeah. And, and she just becomes a free element in the world uh, that apparently hides out in the Fire Nation somewhere that is actively seeking to, to corrupt the Zuko, Zuko and the throne. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting. Um, yeah. it's, it's a great read um, if, if anyone's interested in going to check it out. But yeah, she's, she's nuts. Uh, I love I love the transition of her going from cra- like very manipulative and very competent to slowly going a bit nuts mm-hmm. um, to even even the the final duel like Azula at the end of her Agni Zuko and her confrontation mm-hmm. with Katara like mm-hmm. just chained up spewing flames and crying madly yeah is she's completely lost it I don't want to say I don't want to say. I don't want to say that it's good because it's sad. It's sad. She's right. an evil character. She's evil. Right. But it's sad to see this girl so broken. Right. You know what I mean? And it's... Well, it's also just that in her... when In the moments that we've seen Azula really shine, she would have been able to get away with that no problem. Like, get out of that situation. Get out of that... Get, like, win that fight. Yeah. And so we know that she is not right now just she wasn't right in the head she lost and so she wasn't herself right if azula was classic azula she would win the day you know what i mean right i feel like the only i feel like like her strategy was gone she had nothing yeah Yeah. and it it was you know and we sort of see that start to emerge um when team avatar leaves the western air temple where she and zuko are fighting on a blimp right and they knock each other off at the same time. That is crazy to think about yeah. because Zuko has lost every duel to Azula at this point, and they just had a tie. Yeah, it's, and it has partially to do with the fact that like Zuko's becoming a better firebender, and his firebending right. is more powerful now that he's returned to the original source. Right. Uh, but it's also like, is Azula starting to slip at this occasion? Right. Uh, is this the beginning of her? You know, well, I think so because I hole? think. Part of it was Tylee and Mae betraying her. Absolutely, absolutely. That was a that was a beautiful moment. 
as well. Oh, it's so good. Like, I do, oh, and May just being like, you miscalculated. Yeah, I love Zuko I love more Z- than I fear you. And she's like, you miscalculated. And, and she's then, about like, to like straight up kill May and Tylee Chi blocks her. And I was like, oh, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're both like, we need to get out of here. Right. It's it was. Crazy. I mean, it's very brave of the two of them, and I'm. Oh yeah. It's really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, also, if May hadn't helped, they were about to die. Oh yeah. Literally, Sokka, Zuko, so- uh, Suki, Hakoda, uh, all were about to literally prisoner, fall into the, the uh, boiling lake. His name is. Uh, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um. All right. Who else? What other characters? Uh, Appa, Momo. I can't believe we haven't talked about Appa at all. I want a plushie of Appa. Oh, yeah. Oh, bad. They do exist. They're like a million dollars from like mm-hmm. the Nickelodeon. That's because they're real life size. Uh, I wish. <laughs> we have to be like the size of our house. Uh, but yeah, um, Appa, just ever present, great. Just, I said character. He's, he's just great. Um, I like what he means to Aang. I like what he represents in the series, like how he is, like, you know, the original airbenders, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just great. Appa's yeah. just a source of comfort and reassurance yeah. throughout the series. Not to mention he yeah. makes it possible. Yeah. Momo, very fun. I mm-hmm. love just him being in the series. Mm-hmm. He provides a lot of comedic relief and uh, yeah. opportunities for characters to, quote unquote, talk to themselves. Uh, right. Like Aang on the Lion Turtle's back is talking to himself, but he's actually just talking to Momo. And right. it's a way to advance the story forward. Right. Um, um, I else? love Tales of Ba Sing Se. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, getting yeah. that Momo moment. And, like, just how much Appa and the Momo mom- moment. Momo moment. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. <laughs> well, I was um, trying to combine moment and Momo, and I was like, that's just moment. <laughs> Momo moment. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Momo. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> So, but like, that's just a really powerful, powerful little story. That's so sad. And then um, Appa going into his story and everything that happened. Oh, yeah. And just the Appa's fact lost that he was, days was a, was a yeah. real, real heartbreaker. Right. And just like, they, he was so close to Aang and never quite got to him. Yeah. And that he was like, went through so much trauma. I mean, I just feel for the poor, the poor animal. I also just love the theme of, having an animal companion and that like that is so important to so many people Mm -hmm. i think it's a really beautiful lovely thing and a way to interact with nature um doesn't doesn't zuko eventually get his own dragon he does he does get his own dragon it's shown in Korra, i believe nice um iroh (laughs) i love just source of wisdom and encouragement and comfort and what the fire nation could be yeah like more of that like silly in the midst of Absolutely. Iroh is just a super solid character. Everything he brings to the show is just amazing and perfect and everyone should have an Iroh in their life. Yeah. If you don't have someone who actively encourages you and cares for you, like, get one. Seriously. Like, just a wonderful mentor figure, father figure. Someone who just... Zuko needed someone to just love him. And there's so many times when Iroh could have turned his back, should have probably turned his back on Zuko, but he never gave up on him, always believed in him. He was the father that Zuko should have had, yeah. Right, it is, I mean, it is so powerful and beautiful, and just the fact that Iroh holds so much wisdom. I love, another scene I love is when, um, when he helps Aang get to, like, when they're, when um, Azula takes starts to take over Bossing Say. Yes, and they're going down the tunnel into the old ruins. Right, and the fact that Aang automatically trusts Iroh yeah. with 
like talking about the avatar state, which is like a really mm-hmm. big deal to talk about well, to someone who used to be a general in the fire. Nation. That, that scene is actually very interesting because Guru Patik, this enlightened man, yeah. um, teaches Aang how the avatar should be. Right. And he seeks out Iroh and Iroh gives him the exact opposite advice. Right. You know, and it's, it's, and I don't think either of them are incorrect. You know right. what I mean? No, like, I agree. For different reasons. And it's, it's interesting to see Iroh, another character who is never called enlightened, but feels mm-hmm. that way, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's interesting to see this, this, this dynamic where two very wizened characters can offer such different advice and neither be technically incorrect. Right. Because there are different ways to live life. There are different right. solutions to different things. Right. Um, but, um, oh, shoot. What was I, I going to say? Um, I don't remember. Something about Iroh. He's great. I love him. Just <laughs> all around solid dude. I love that he gets his own tea shop. He gets, yeah, the Jasmine Dragon. He plays yeah. pie show every I day. Also, I also... <laughs> I also love, um, so when, when Zuko's going to, like, get Appa out of, not get, yeah. like, you're going to steal Appa from. Yeah, yeah that, that whole scene where he's that admonishing is, him. He's, yeah. He's like, I just, I just want to know, I want to know how, how Iroh got down to, he's like, where Zuko was. Like, I'm like. He's the dragon of the West. I absolutely believe it. But I'm like, there is a plot hole here. Like, oh. we, how does he oh. know that Zuko went after this? How, yeah, he like, knows. He, can read, he can read Zuko like He up. knows. And, and then, but then, yeah, the fact that he got down to the Dai Li headquarters yeah. and, and knew where Zuko was. Followed I mean, him, Zuko and then, got down there. I know. I mean, come but, on. But he kidnapped Dai Li. Yeah, whatever. All it. right. But anyways, so, but, and then, yeah, and then Iroh confronts him and he's like, so what are you going to do after you steal a sky bison? Yeah. You're going to bring him back to our apartment. And Zuko's like, I'll figure it out. And he's like, yeah, but then what? Like you never think. Yeah, it's the same thing like, in the North Pole. Doing? Yeah. And he's like, you need to choose. Like, what are you going to do? Like, and, and. Who are and, you? And what like, do you want? Yeah. I cry every time. <laughs> like, well, hey, hey, so powerful. if you want to cry some more. Uh, I read a thing. <laughs> I read a thing recently about the episode, the tales of bossing say. Mm-hmm. Um, where Iroh has his little mini-sode about his son. Um, oh, I know what you're going to say. And and the progression of that episode is he helps like a young, a very young, like babyish child to feel better. Then he proceeds to help a group of young boys and he gives them some advice. Then he helps uh, an older man with advice and life and how to how to interact with his life. And then he goes and mourns the death of his son. Or he celebrates the birthday of his dead son. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's sort of this parallel to he can't have his son and be there for his son during all these moments in his life. And he's helping others in their moments of their lives. It's beautiful. It's touching. It's so beautiful. So good. And it's, it's sad. It's very yeah. sad. Um, and he's struggling. And, I, and one of the, um, they talk about uh, the idea that Iroh can see into the spirit world. Mm-hmm. And the, the concept has been brought up by a lot of fans that the reason he tried to go into the spirit world is because he was looking for his dead son. Oh. Um, and it's, it's very interesting to think about. Um, yeah. And, and we don't know a lot about Iroh. Uh, right. There's a lot of things we'll, we'll, we've never learned and we'll never learn. Right. And I'm okay with that like, because what he is in the series is exactly what he needs to be. Yeah. Cause I'm always wondering 
like how did Iroh get to this point? Like he's so different from his family and from his brother. And it and in ways I'm very thankful for, mm. especially for Zuko's sake, but also for the world's sake, that Iroh is this represents this different thought process and this different way of life and this unity amongst the nations, things like the the white lotus, the that whole thing, like that that's different vendors that come together and work together is something beautiful. And so I just love that Iroh represents this this different yeah. thought process than the rest of the world and i wonder why like why is he why is he different like what has what has his story led him to but you're right i'm also i'm i'm fine not knowing mm-hmm. it's great i love it yeah it's so good um i don't think i have any more characters that i'm dying to discuss we could, about yeah. to- we could talk about tom tom the baby uh oh, tom tom he's he's cute that's it i uh, love the I just love that they use the, what is it, the puckerfish or sucker? Or what was yeah, it? yeah, penta, uh, pentapods. Well, pentapods, yeah, but a uh, pentapus. That's Pen- what yes. it is. And I just love that you just like cute. itch it a little bit and it goes, yeah. <laughs> Super cute. Super They're cute. so cute. Uh, but yeah, My I love My favorite them. character from the show is, yeah, a pentapus. A pentapus. Uh, <laughs> My favorite animal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think. Oh, the have- bear? The bear, uh, oh, Bosco, Bosco, Bosco. I love Bosco. Like, <laughs> you surely mean platypus or... bear, armadillo bear, uh, you know, what, what all these things. Bear, <laughs> I think he's one of two normal animals in the series. There's Miyuki the cat and Bosco oh, right. the bear, and I think that's it, right? Yeah, great. I love it. I love the hybrid yeah. animals, but I like when there's a normal animal as well, yeah. But, anyways, yeah, I think that that's all the, all the characters and. All the all the ones we care to talk about at this. All the ones we care to. I mean, I could I could talk for a million years about like King Boomy or Zhang Zhang or like any of the other like side characters. Like I could talk about Fire Lord Oza more or Ursa or um, several spirits. Um, Just side characters. Yeah, I could talk about I could talk about a million things, and and I'm sure you could like we could both actively do that. But I mean, as far as Avatar: The Last Airbender is concerned like these are the characters that really drive its pinnacle like Mm -hmm. this is the pillar of the show and and kind of what we wanted to talk about um yeah so so thank you for listening and uh we hope that you enjoyed us talking about our our geeky 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 geek times of (laughs) avatar the last airbender (laughs) we'll have episode two uh well i guess episode more like four uh, yeah, we recorded all of the last Airbender all one session. content together, um, and we'll split it up for different podcasts. So this will be, I, I, yeah, we'll be back for episode four with some other series that we'll decide probably in the next couple days. So if you tuned in, thanks. Uh, if you didn't, thanks anyway. Uh, <laughs> Peace out. Thank you for listening, and have a lovely day. <laughs> <laughs>